Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back in. On 670 to score, it's Matt Spiegel here with you on Hit and Run. I just tweeted this, but I want to open it up to the texters as well. White Sox fans, I need your help. Um, when the Milwaukee and Atlanta Braves, I think it was still Milwaukee at the time, well, it was Atlanta, um, had Warren Spahn and Johnny Sane in their rotation, they had nobody else worthwhile. So Braves fans and maybe Braves announcers came up with Spawn and Sane and pray for rain because he didn't want to watch any of the other starting pitchers. It's pretty famous. I always loved that. Thought it was a pretty funny way to talk about a rotation. I remember when the Texas Rangers had two worthwhile starters in 1998, uh, Aaron Seeley and Rick Helling. And um, somebody came up with Seeley and Helling. And three days of shelling. Because <laughs> everybody else's rotation would just get destroyed. So I love that. Uh, in terms of watchability, just like Caller Ron brought up there, we have Giolito and Cease. So White Sox fans, Giolito and Cease and... Uh, or Cease and Giolito and dot, dot, dot. Because <laughs> you've got those two guys and everybody else kind of stinks. Um, and I'm sorry, Renato Lopez, but you're in that you're in that category right now until you until you change it. So I need your help, White Sox fans. Giolito and Cease and dot dot dot, or Cease and Giolito and dot 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 to describe your rotation. I threw it out there on Twitter. We've got a couple here. Um, here's a tweet from Nosferatu: Giolito and Cease, and might as well pitch your niece. <laughs> That's pretty strong. I like it. Ooh, this is good. Lucas and Dylan and three days of fill-in. That's excellent. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Lucas and Dylan and three days of fill-in. How about this one? Giolito and Cease and an alcohol increase. <laughs> and then, uh, obviously, you could go with cease and desist. Giolito, cease, and desist. Just like everybody else, just simply desist. That's pretty strong. But it doesn't rhyme. I need the rhyme. Uh, so keep them coming at 7011 if you'd like. Um, man, I, lo- I love that. Uh, Giolito and Cease at an alcohol increase. Oh boy, here's Ivan Nova. Oh God, Ivan Nova's pitching. Ugh. Booze. Where's my booze? Giolito and Cease, then the other team feasts. That's a good vowel sound, but I'm having trouble with all the consonants. Um, This, I think, is too mean-spirited. Lucas and Dylan, the rest are for killing. That's too mean. I'm sorry. I I, I cannot advocate the killing of Dylan Covey. (laughs) So, So thank you, but clean it up. All right? Come on. Oh, God. 
See, you guys are good. 6711 if you want to get in via text or if you want to call and talk about it, feel free. Uh, Jim and Lockport. Giolito and Cease, and the rest is up for lease. Come on, Jim. You could do better than that. How about this? Giolito and Cease give the rest their release. <laughs> You're not going to release. <laughs> You're not going to release Ronaldo. Giolito and Cease, and for three days we are deceased. You're not. Come on. Uh, Cease and Giolito, then we are finito. Oh, that's strong. Cease and Giolito, then we are finito. <laughs> that's excellent. Uh, Giolito and Cease, then ten runs apiece. <laughs> oh, Aaron in Oswego uh, with, uh, this is... Uh, yeah, Dylan and Luke, then try not to puke. <laughs> Am I a child? Is, is that what's happening here, or are we all children? Uh, <laughs> thank you for being children with me. I, I, I appreciate it. Let me go back to Twitter. See, we got Giolito and Cease, three days of no peace. Cease and Giolito, wouldn't a third starter be neato? <laughs> That's pretty good. It's pretty good. Oh, God. Uh, see, baseball is an absurd thing, isn't it? It's an absolutely ridiculous endeavor, and it leaves room for hours of conversation and hours of horrific jokes. Just awful, awful jokes. Or good ones. Giolito and Cease, then pray for death's sweet release. <laughs> it's a little dark. I mean, again, you don't need, you don't need, death does not need to be involved for the other, the other three starters. Uh, cease and Giolito, then get me a mojito. <laughs> oh, this is strong. This is strong. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for, uh, for your calls. Uh, Dave in Fox Lake on line two has called up. Dave, I, have, we, have we used yours already, or you got another one for me? Well, you kind of stole a little bit of my thunder there, Matt, but I can go... Uh... Giolito versus Mojito, the winner gets the Speedo. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate it. I don't know why anybody wants to get a Speedo. Um, Texter says, this is god-awful radio. Where's Rosner? Uh, Barry, very retired from this show um, and is a dear friend and a good man. But uh, thank you for your, thank you for your, your text. Uh, Gio, uh, Cease and Giolito, then holy Toledo. <sighs> Uh, yeah. Giolito and Cease, then bullpen relief. That, no, it doesn't go. See, we've got, I think we've had our good ones. I think we've nailed it. I appreciate you. 670, the score is where you are. I'll tweet out some of the good ones, um, by the way. I want to talk about John Lester's Hall of Fame case. But first, let's go to the phone lines and talk to a couple of you who have dialed it up. This is Jim in, I believe it's McChesney Park. Jim in McChesney Park. You're on 670, the score. Hey, um, yeah, I know of an article in uh, Discover Magazine. Yes, sir. This is from 2001. It took uh, a couple of baseballs from different eras and uh, did studies on them. All the way, the, all the, uh, so all the way back in 2001, they were talking about juice right, balls. Yeah, right, they were talking about home runs. Mm-hmm. Too many home runs then, too, I guess. So They found uh, that the windings of the newer balls 
um, have synthetic fibers in them, which makes the balls more resilient. Hmm. And more resilience generally leads to uh, longer, longer hits. More resilience. Oh, why? Oh, because they're because they, they don't, don't get the, affected. The, they don't get affected. Yeah, the by synthetic the fibers don't compress as much as as uh, your standard cotton and wool windings do. Hmm. So we've got that from 2001 to add to our mix. Right. It's, uh, Jim, this is unbelievable. Did, did you see the piece? If you're interested in this stuff, there was a piece on the Athletic. Uh, they talked to an astrophysicist. Uh, I'll tweet it out here in a little bit, and I'll. I'll I'll tell you, but you can you can Google it where they examined the ball and did all kinds of science and you could it's it, it'll blow you away if you want to read it if you want to check it out. Yeah, I will. Um, thank you yeah, for the call. This article is is, uh, is it's in their archives, so you can uh, Google it and find that too. Thank thank you, Jim. I appreciate it. it. It's really instructive to realize that this stuff goes back a long way. <laughs> Every few years uh, they'll talk about it, and and look sometimes. It, it has been by design. This is why I, I understand, you know, the conspiracy theorists. I, I don't particularly be, I, I don't believe it. I, I don't think MLB is doing it on purpose. I think they're more incompetent than they are scheming at the, uh, at the Rawlings factory and with MLB's um, leadership. I think they're more incompetent than they are scheming. But still, you know, there was the dead ball era. <clears throat> and then long ago, 1920. 1920, they're like, you know what? We need to see a little more action. And things became more lively. Babe Ruth hit 54 home runs, and later on he had 59 home runs, and he had 60 home runs, and, you know, and, and the game changed and evolved. So, you know, it, it has happened before, but I love you pointing out that in 2001, there was some data right there. This is Stacy in Forest Park on the score. Stacy, how are you? I'm good in yourself, my friend. Very good. Thank you. Hey, I have two points right quick. One, uh, I want to comment on Zach Collins as a role player in the real rebuild. And then the second one is the Sox need a Lester narrative. Uh, as it pertains to Zach, Zach has not performed great in the minor leagues. Uh, I do anticipate that he'll be a quality role player for the Sox. Uh, moving forward, and I agree with you in terms of him learning more behind the plate, but creating a bats for him, I, 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 you know, I don't, I don't side with that necessarily. Uh, he just hasn't been that type of an offensive player. And then as for the narrative regarding the Sox need a Lester, I, I, I just don't, I don't accept that as a Sox fan. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with John Lester, but Lester was not the building piece for the Cubs' great run, that was the guy in Philly, Jake Arrieta. And the Cubs went out and signed Lester because they were not developing pitching. And if I recall correct, the narrative for the Cubs during their rebuild was that they were going to invest in position players yes. and go out and sign pitchers. They were going to go so, pay they were going to go pay for pitching is exactly right. Go acquire pitching and pay for pitching. So um yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah. so Arietta is is their own in terms of, of of what they've done but but Lester was a the free agent necessity. Yes. yes, I agree with that. And 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 the reason that I don't buy the Sox need a Lester narrative is because the Sox are developing pitching. It will be great to bring in a quality, uh, experienced pitcher, but the Sox don't need a quote-unquote Lester. They don't necessarily need 
a Keiko. Although Keiko would be excellent, they don't necessarily need a Garrett. Although Garrett would be excellent. Stacey, hold on. Uh, Do you, it sounds like perhaps you discount the personal um, thought, the, the very interpersonal thought and chemistry thought that a winner, somebody who has been to the World Series, perhaps won the World Series, someone who has performed on the big stage in addition to being good, like that, oh. that, 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 that would be a big benefit, a veteran pitcher for all these young guys, because I absolutely oh. think that would be a massive benefit. Do you or not? I, I, I think that can come in either a pitcher or a position player. I disagree. I, I, don't, I don't think it exclusively has to be a pitcher. I, uh, but I, I, I disagree. I, I disagree because I think it is a very special, special job and a specialized set. Now, now I, it's got to come from somewhere. Stacy, thanks for the call. I, I mean, it'd be great if it came from an ace, if it was really an ace, um, like Lester was. But, and if you remember, Lester's first year, who started the wildcard game? Jake. Like, if they bring in Garrett Cole or Dallas Keuchel, uh, let's say they bring in Keuchel. And Keuchel is really, really good, makes 32 starts, has an ERA in the low threes, um, is super consistent, has a ton of quality starts. And, you know, young guys are learning, well, that's how a professional does their job. Okay, cool. But Giolito's better. Then Giolito will start game one of your playoffs. You know, so it doesn't have to be an ace. But I'm telling you, there is, there's a reason that those kind of veteran pitchers who are willing teachers, willing sharers of knowledge are so valued. Because it, it can have a massive, massive effect. And it doesn't mean like they're necessarily sitting there saying, here's how you throw uh, this pitch. Or, you know, one time when I did this, I stayed calm. No, just watching them go about their business. Uh, I would refer you to the conversation that uh, John Baker and I had in the first hour. And, and, and towards the end of it, we we're talking about Jason Hayward. And he was talking about how players learn just from watching Jason Hayward go about his business. And even when he struggles, nothing changes. His preparation doesn't change. His focus doesn't change. His attitude, for the most part, stays the same. And, and his success in other facets of his play have, have come to the fore, even when the hitting is not. And then this year, he's having his best offensive year as a Cub. And isn't that nice? But... I think you definitely need your John Lester. And just, just because you're tired of a narrative doesn't mean it's not true. 670, the score is where you are. Uh, we'll talk about that man, John Lester. I keep promising it. We'll do it when we come back. That's next on Hit and Run. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Here comes the 2-2. Strike three called. Bell caught looking. Lester getting back-to-back called third strikes to retire both Marte and Bell. Lester is going to leave. You're going to hear a huge ovation from these fans when he walks off. Let's listen. I feel old. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's that's obviously, yeah, like you said, high praise. Um, you know, we have to pitch a lot more, have to do a lot more uh, kind of navigating around some things. And the last, I don't know, however many, I've, I've felt a lot better about my stuff and, and where I've been at. So hopefully I can, can continue to kind of ride that that momentum as we go forward in the second half and pitch well down the stretch. 
John Lester with a strikeout yesterday, then leaving the field after six and two-thirds, and then talking about his stuff after the game. Just got word that John Lester uh, will be joining Ron Coomer and Joe Madden for the show today. That is uh, Madden Post at the Post. Madden at Madden's Post. That's after uh, Zach Zabin's postgame. It'll be Madden and Coomer over there at Madden's Post, along with John Lester and John Vincent will be over there as well. So pretty cool. So head over there and be listening right here on 670 The Score. Uh, John Lester, every year we seem to talk about his imminent demise, uh, and then he has another pretty damn good season. This is a dude who just continues to offer quality starts. I think he's at 10 now. Um, it could be 9, 9 or 10 on the season. Before you dismiss the quality start as a singular stat, if you're one of those people who have done that before, um, just remember that as a cumulative stat, as you get deeper into a season, and certainly as you look at a career, it is extremely useful to look at. Because the leaders in quality starts inevitably end up being the guys you're like, yeah, oh yeah, those are the... Those are the best pitchers in baseball because they, they pitch a lot and they pitch decently a lot. Here are your leaders in quality starts around baseball. Ready? Max Scherzer, Zach Greinke, Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander. Those are your guys. Uh, Mike Fires has a lot of quality starts, having a hell of a year. Lance Lynn, having an unbelievable year in Texas, has a ton. Patrick Corbin, Hyunjin Ryu, Jose Barrios. And then tied for 10th are Madison Bumgarner, Trevor Bauer, Jacob deGrom. After that, Clayton Kershaw, Charlie Morton, Steven Strasburg, Shane Bieber. You, you get my drift here. Those are the first 16 on the list, and they're all among the very, very best pitchers in baseball. So cumulatively, it ends up making sense. And Lester just keeps churning them out. Regardless of what the peripherals are, sometimes, as I mentioned last year, uh, 18 and six with a 3-3-2 ERA, but people were scared and said he can't count on Lester anymore. He is a guy. His walk rate was the worst since 2011. His strikeout rate was the worst since 2012. His fielder independent pitching was the worst of his entire career. But then here he is. Here he is doing what he's doing. He's nine and six. He's made 18 starts. He's got a 3.74 ERA. Um, his FIP is high again at 4.23. So that is, uh, you know, that, that's not quite as high as it was last year. But anyway, he just keeps freaking rolling and knows what he's doing. And Joe Madden and Tommy Hadovy and Theo and everybody have done a tremendous job of buying him an extra day here or there. And he talks about how those extra days make a difference. And those extra days matter for him. He, he has, as perhaps you've, you've heard, started more than 30 games for 11 straight years. And he's the only guy active in Major League Baseball who has done such things. When you add in his postseason success, and you look at the overall numbers, but then you add in his postseason success, I think the man is a Hall of Famer. His career playoff ERA is 2.51. He has three World Series rings, as you know, two in Boston, one here. And he's been huge in the World Series. Overall in the World Series. Let me just look here and make sure I have it right. Overall in the World Series for John Lester. 35 and two-thirds career innings. I see one, 
two, three, uh, four, five, six starts. 35 and two-thirds career innings for John Lester, or five starts and one relief appearance. A 1.77 ERA in the World Series. Just, just phenomenal. Shared the NLCS MVP with Javi Baez in 2016. So he's got all of that. The guy that he compares with most closely as a pitcher in terms of, of Hall of Fame possibilities, you know, that you think about, Ron Guidry is the most similar pitcher in his career. These guys are not Hall of Famers. None of these guys on his list of similarity scores, okay? But he's not done yet. Ron Guidry, Cole Hamels, Roy Oswalt, Dwight Gooden, Jimmy Key, Zach Greinke, Felix Hernandez. Roy Halladay is a Hall of Famer. Sandy Koufax is a Hall of Famer. Justin Verlander is number 10. He will be a Hall of Famer. And then here are the similar pitchers through age 34 for John Lester. All right, so this is where he is right now, assuming that he will continue. And are you going to bet against him continuing to pitch effectively enough to pile up some of the cumulative stats? Um, Are you you going to bet against him to be decent enough as he continues to be and find a way that the ERA is going to stay decent, that the wins are going to pile up as well? Similar pitchers through age 34. Number one is Justin Verlander. He will be a Hall of Famer. Number two is Andy Pettit, and we'll get back to him in a minute. Then Dwight Gooden, Tim Hudson. Hmm, Tim Hudson was real good for a while. And late, had a nice resurgence late. Mike Mussina is a, whole, is a Hall of Famer. John Smoltz is in his top ten. Jim Bunning, Hall of Famer in his top ten. Zach Greinke, I think, eventually is going to be a Hall of Famer, but we'll see. Andy Pettit pitched for 18 seasons. John Lester right now has pitched for four. 14, um, 14 seasons for John Lester. But Pettit pitched for 18 seasons, and his overall ERA, 3.85 ERA overall for Andy Pettit. Not a Hall of Famer, obviously. John Lester's ERA overall is 3.51. That's better. The FIP overall for John Lester, 3.64. That's better than Pettit's 3.74. And remember that Pettit never won a Cy Young, like Lester has never won a Cy Young. Lester has been a top 10 Cy Young Award winner four different times, top 10 in the voting, four different times, been an All-Star five times, but admitted that he took PEDs. He never got over 10% in the Hall of Fame vote, never. Lester will get there. I, I, I do believe that Lester will get there. And it's just, it's a remarkable free agent signing. It's a remarkable career and, and performance. And Joe Madden, after the game, said, I honestly believe that this is another level of him that I'm witnessing. He's in really great control of himself. It's hard to say because he's been so good for so long. But in the dugout and watching him on the mound, he doesn't get in a hurry. If something happens, he's able to reel himself back in. I think this is the best version of John I've seen as a total athlete, pitcher. You can talk about his hitting also if you want, but everything about his performance. He's exemplifying leadership as well as I've seen him do it. This, every rebuild needs a John Lester type. Every rebuild needs a John Lester narrative. Every single one. You got to get that guy if you can. It's a dream. It's a dream to get that guy. You hope to. 
So to the, the White Sox caller who said you don't want that guy, yes, you do. Yes, you do. Whenever you can. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. A couple of people texting in with questions. Overall, playoff starts for Lester. It's, uh, it's been a lot. 22 games started in the postseason. 26 games he has appeared in. And he was the, the absolute unquestioned number one for the 2007 Red Sox, I think. Right? Or is that, is that Beckett? Let me look at that, that pitching staff. Yeah, it's Beckett. So it is, uh, it's Daisuke, Beckett, Wakefield, Schilling, and Lester. So no, apologies. Lester was, was very young in that year, but he was good. At age 23, he started game four of the World Series. I was mixing up my seasons. But at age 23, he started game four of the World Series and was excellent through almost six innings scoreless. If you want to look at wins, you can. But, you know, and the wins will get there. But I think Lester overall is indeed a Hall of Famer. Let's go to the phone lines. Jeff is in Highland Park. Jeff has been holding and is now on 670 to score. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning. I got to say, I think that the uh, Cease and Giolito wouldn't a third starter be Nito is the perfect uh, <laughs> mantra and fits the White Sox rebuild for one reason. And this is where the, the cold water's got to splash and where I also agree why you may not necessarily need a Lester is the White Sox have never lacked for top-end talent. Look at their last core. They had Sale. They had Quintana. They had Abreu. They had Eden. It was never a problem of your, your three, four, five guys, your one, two in the rotation. But the thing that they've never been able to develop, that they haven't shown that they're capable still of developing, and that they don't know how to acquire, is the seven, eight, nine guy in your lineup, your number four, your number five starter, the guys who aren't essentially quadruple A players or even triple A players that don't deserve to be in the majors. So you've got Moncada, that's great. You've got Eloy, that's fantastic. But who are the guys that are going to be six, seven, eight, nine on that team? And has the White Sox as an organization shown that they can get the guys like a David Bodie that are really essential to winning championships? Not your top-end guys, mm-hmm. but the guys that help drive in at the bottom of the lineup. There are guys in your system who hopefully will fill that niche. Um, Nick Madrigal is a first-round pick who will be here sooner rather than later. Does not strike out. I think he. I think your uh, your eventual winning lineup has Madrigal at second, has Andrew Vaughn and Abreu splitting DH time uh, at first, and has Tim Anderson at short and Yuan Moncada at third. And in the outfield, you're going to have Luis Robert and you're going to be Eloy Jimenez. And then who's that third guy? We'll see. Maybe maybe it is Basabe. Maybe it is Micah Rodolfo or Micah Rodolfo. Um, maybe it's Blake Rutherford. Maybe some of those guys uh, it could develop into what you're talking about, guys to round out a roster. You've got a pile. Or you could sign low-end free agents to do it. The best teams end up being a mix of, of the kids and a couple of well-chosen, well-placed uh, veterans who, who kind of round it out. You look back on, on just about any great team or any World Series team. I remember looking at it with the 2002 Angels way back when. Or, you know, it's just there's usually a mix of vets and kids. So it won't be all. They just have to, they have to uh, be appetizing. And I think after this year, they will be more appetizing than they were last offseason because they will have showcased more pieces. People, people around the league know Tim Anderson. People will pay attention and see that Yohan Moncada has broken out. Lucas Giolito was at the All-Star game. They're going to know these people.
So I, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be very, uh, it's going to be a lot easier for the White Sox to get free agents this offseason than it was last, as long as they offer enough money. Tom is in Arlington Heights on the score. Hello, Tom. Good morning. Welcome to the hey, show. Hey, buddy. I, I just couldn't agree with you anymore. And I think this is the kind of moment where you not only celebrate Lester, but you realize that the reason why we won the World Series is because of three Lesters. Is because of Lester. Is because of David Ross, and is because of Jason Hayward. Either one of those three veterans not on the team, and we just don't win the series. And so it, uh, it, it, you're exactly right. It's a, it's a flavor. I was listening to Hayward after he uh, got that uh, uh, winning RBI in the first game in the uh, Pirates series. Yes. And I, it was like listening to, 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 to a ballet. He's, he's already off the game. You say, okay, it was one game, and he was getting it in perspective, what they're going to do tomorrow and the little things that it took to win the game. And I'm thinking, God, how do you not win with that? Yeah. How do you not win with that? You do. So I, I celebrate what you're saying about Lester and, and the intangibles as well as the arm that he brings and also how that is uh, flowed over into a couple other guys and what a difference that made to us. It yeah. changes the city. Tom, thank you for the call. Um, really appreciate it. Yeah, Hayward is, is a marvel in terms of his, his mental health and his leadership by example. He really is. In that game you're talking about, the Friday game against Pittsburgh, Hayward did so many things as an all-around ball player that, <clears throat> that deserved to be noticed. There was a great catch in right field where he made a split-second decision and, and, and a perfect instinct and made an incredible play. There was another very good catch in right field that was made more difficult by the sun. There was... Uh, him breaking for home from third with the bases loaded on a passed ball, but then realizing he was going to be out and stopping. There was that instinct. He had a single in the middle of the seventh inning three-run outburst that was part of things. And then he drove in the winning run, drove in Bryant from second with an opposite field single. He He does so many things so well. And it's nice to be able to appreciate it and appreciate his overall game and his overall persona without having to say, God, if he could only hit. Because he's hitting now. He's hitting well. So uh, good for him. And I'm glad that, that people are noticing and appreciating what he does. I, there was, it was at 7 nothing yesterday, and, and Hayward is, is, is laying out, laying out for an attempted catch out there, right? He's just, he's just that dude. He's always the same. He's always max effort. And um, talk about leading by example. Him and Lester, that you can go a long way with dudes just doing that. Whether they're screamers or yellers or they're gatherers of people or not, he's just, it's just, you need dudes like that. You need dudes like Chris Kampka in your life, if you're me. Camp Connections is uh, one of my favorite segments. We do it every week where Chris Kampka, the Sultan of Stat from NBC Sports Chicago, joins us, gives us his favorite nuggets on the White Sox and the Cubs from the week. Join the scores Lawrence Holmes as he owes Jason Hayward and Kyle Schwarber at the Budweiser Brickhouse Tavern in Wrigley for the second luncheon of the 2019 Cubs on Deck Series. This is tomorrow. Tickets are on sale now at 670thescore.com slash on deck, presented by TimberTech and Xfinity. Check that out. Look at that. It's tomorrow. Go see Jason Hayward. I was just talking about him. Kyle Schwarber, too. Excellent. All right, Chris Kamp is next on Hit and Run right here on 670 The Score. Think of some of the great fielding pitchers we've seen. As Lester hits a high drive in a deep left center field, back toward the wall, it's got a chance, gone! John Lester with an opposite field home run, Cubs lead 8 to nothing. Was I just saying something about him affecting the game with his bat? 
Johnny now two for two in the ball game. I think this is the best version of John that I've seen as a total athlete pitcher. Um, you can talk about his hitting also if you want, but everything about his performance, it really it, he's exemplifying leadership as well as I've seen him do it. That is Joe Madden talking about John Lester and Lester's home run before that. Lester squared up two balls opposite way. See, everybody's in the opposite field. Joe, that, that must be fun when you're a pitcher, get to hit that homer and then take your nice leisurely stroll. And the highlight courtesy of 670, the score. Cubs pregame coming up at about 1245. If you missed Joe Buck in the 10 o'clock hour, he was really good. And um, by suggestion from... From, uh, from the big boss. We're going to let you hear that again. Uh, so we're going to let you hear that. At, at, and for those who didn't, or tell a friend or whatever, he was awfully good. So you hear that about 1210 or so leading in to Cubs pregame here on The Score. But that music means it's our guy, Chris Kamka. Cam Connections is the segment. The Sultan of Stat from NBC Sports Chicago gives me and you nuggets like no other. Hello, Chris. Good morning. Hey, Matt. Geez, I mean, I got to follow up John Baker and Joe Buck. Now I know what all the guests feel like every week when they have to go after me. Ding! But uh, Nailed it! Anyway, yes, okay, sir. So, yeah, we're almost three hours into the show, and luckily I haven't had to scratch everything off my note sheet because you already covered it. So oh, okay, good. I still got plenty of good material here for you. Excellent. All um, right, so... You, you, t- you, t- so t- take Lester. me on a journey. Take me on a journey, as you always do. Go ahead, man. Let's do it. So we heard some John Lester coming out of the break. So let's talk about John Lester. A guy who started his career 0 for 66 at the plate now finds himself on the list of three Cubs lefties, left-handed throwers, to homer in three straight seasons. Hmm. John Lester, Travis Wood, and Paul Minner, who did it from 1950 to 54, five straight seasons. It's amazing what he's come to as far as a hitter. It's yeah. pretty amazing. Yeah, he was but, he, he was really bad as a hitter for a long time because he didn't he very occasionally did it. And he mentioned yesterday... He has taken more pride in it. So he's got himself actually invested and thinking about it and had taken more pride in it like most pitchers should, and he's been a lot better. Yeah, I mean, first Cubs starting battery, each of the home run since Edwin Jackson and Wellington Castillo back in 13. Hmm. First Cubs starting battery with a home run three RBIs each since Ray Burris and Steve Swisher in 1977. Wow. And let's talk about his pitching, though. And you talk about his whole thing, uh, Candidacy. Yeah. And yeah, I had the, I had the uh, similarity scores down in town. But let's go a little further. 25 lefties all time with 2,000 strikeouts. He's one of them. 25. But there's only eight of those lefties with 2,000 strikeouts. They also have 120 ERA plus for their career. And what that is, is taking ERA, putting it on the scale with a league and ballpark, adjusting it, and with 100 being average. So, say 110 would be 10% better than league average. 90 would be 10% below league average. So, Lester is one of only eight lefties ever with 2,000 strikeouts and 120 ERA plus for the career. All right, so stop, the stop, are, there, stop there for a second. Um, I'm okay. glad you explained ERA plus. So, 100 being the baseline, 120 is awfully good. And now you're talking about guys who don't give up many earned runs, 
overall. And, oh, also, by the way, they strike out enough guys that they eliminate the potential for, for anything to happen out there in the field. You want to, to eliminate base runners whenever possible. So, all right, cool. So, and there are only eight lefties that fit this ca- these two categories. John Lester's one. Who are the other seven? Right. So you have five Hall of Famers, Lefty Grove, Randy Johnson, Rube Waddell, Sandy Koufax, Eddie Plank. I mean, you have to reach back for a few of these guys. Wow. Then you got three active pitchers, Clayton Kershaw, no surprise there. Cole Hamels is one of them. Hmm. And John Lester. Wow. That's, that, that's a really fascinating group. I think Kershaw, I mean, Kershaw's going to have a great Hall of Fame case, even if he never re- recovers the, 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 the dominance that he had uh, early on. And Hamels is going to be an interesting case, depending on how much more he can do. Without question. And as you alluded to earlier, I mean, maybe you think of him as a as an on-the-fence Hall of Fame candidate, but the postseason puts him over the top. He's already accumulated almost a full season's worth of postseason innings for his career, 154. That's almost a whole season's worth. It's pretty insane. Wow. And he's done really well in it, as you mentioned earlier, with a 2-5-1 ERA. It's incredible. And he's going to be a really intriguing case because he's not done yet. So he's going to compile a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And he's just found a way... To, despite the FIP, which may be a little high, he just gets the job done. And, he, you know, what's, what more is there to say? What, what do we learn about that? That's great stuff, Chris. What, what can we extract from that fact that his FIP and fielder independent pitching, um, it takes, it, you know, it, it takes other stuff into account. What are we to glean from consistently being able to have an ERA so far below his fifth. That's not all just luck. That must be some kind of manifestation, I'm guessing, of his personal toughness and, and strength in the moment that comes into play. Well, a lot of times what I see is that there's weak contact in there. There's, um, I mean, that's usually it, really. And, the fa- and, and usually a FIP with inflate, a FIP would be a lot of home runs. And when you give up those home runs, you just make sure there's nobody on base when you do so. Mm-hmm. And those are a couple of things that factor in to why a pitcher may succeed despite a higher than what you'd expect fit. Okay. All right. Good stuff. Uh, 670, the score is where you are. I'm Matt Spiegel. Uh, we'll play you Joe Buck coming up in about mm, 15 minutes or so. But Chris Kampka continues. And the White Sox, they're horrific in Oakland. This has been forever, right? I, I haven't looked up the, the career marks, um, but I know it's, it's been a house of horrors. And just in terms of recently, it's, it's, been, it's been absolutely horrific. Yeah, absolutely. And these last two games uh, are, are ugly. There's really no other way you can say it. And they've been outscored 18-3, to but... I'm going to single the White Sox out for something here. Okay. Um, they've got 17 hits a series, and they're all singles. <laughs> so going back a week ago today, Jose Abreu hit a fifth-inning homer in the fifth, uh, on Sunday against the Cubs. After that home run, the Sox had three more hits, all singles. And then the 17 hits after the All-Star break, all singles. 20 in a row. Oh, God. To go back. And you have to go back to 2013 when they had a 20 20- – 20-single streak and a 29-single streak that year for the last time they had a streak this long consecutive singles. But it's one of the problems with the White Sox. They have the second-fewest extra base hits in the majors, second only to the Marlins, hmm. and the second-fewest walks only to the Marlins. 
So when you have these things together, you have to you have to score your runs by bunching a bunch of singles together. It's just a tough proposition, especially when you have other teams getting a couple of bases and a couple of runners on base. You get those in with extra base hits. It's just hmm. we're gonna have to find a way to get more balls in the air, over the fence, uh, and in the gaps. And one of the reasons why they they have so many singles is the ground ball rate, also second highest in the majors second only to the Marlins. Wow. 47.2% ground ball rate. It's second highest in the major. So those are some things that the White Sox need to work on. Of course, there's a lot of players on the roster that it's kind of transition. Yes. So you're going to see some of these guys be replaced by, by some of the prospects eventually. So I wouldn't get too worried about it. I'm just saying, you know, going forward, they're going to maybe try to change their approach, get the ball in the air more or something. Yeah, this is it's an interesting kind of inflection point here in, in, in the rebuild because you've got some guys that do not need to be here, and some of them have been sent away, like Yonder Alonso, and then you've got other guys, you know, this, some of the 4A guys, um, Ryan Cordell um, and, and, and the likes, who I do not believe have long-term MLB futures but are getting playing time. Um, here, Charlie Tilson, you know, so it, it those, and those guys will be replaced by Adolfo, uh, by Luis Robert, um, and, and by some of the other guys, and that will change. But the numbers you just offered, you don't want to be hanging with the Marlins in, in much these days, that's for sure. And this is the wrong no. time, the wrong era of baseball to have that high a ground ball rate. That is just not that's not where you want to be these days when the ball is flying out of ballpark. Right, exactly. With balls flying out of the park at record rates, you want to be taking advantage of that. And so that's why it's a little discouraging to see it. But like I said, a lot of these guys, they're not going to be here when, when they're contending. And there's really no need to rush them out of here right now because, you know, it just doesn't make any sense to do so. They're going to be here and, and – you know, you'll work through it, and you're going to watch the further development of guys like Jimenez and Mercado. And things are going to get better on the south side. Chris, thank you. Always great stuff. Oh, by man. the way, one last thing, Spiegel. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't end this without saying a very happy birthday to Steve Stone, one of the best ever in the game, one of eight pitchers to throw three or more perfect innings in an all-star game. That, that is tremendous. Now, guess what? He's not alone with a birthday today. And, and I was aware that it was, it was birthday, and I, I, am, I am sorry that I did not uh, have a chance to wish it to him before you did. But are you familiar with some of the tremendous names who have been born on this day, two of them with serious White Sox ties? Chris Absolutely. Kent. Lucas Giolito and Robin Ventura. How about it? July 14th yeah. is Steve Stone and Robin Ventura and Lucas Giolito. That's tremendous. Uh, it it's, is. It's, it's a good day for celebration. Let's get a White Sox win, huh? There you go. Thank you very much. Appreciate you, Thank Chris. You. You're the goods. Chris Kampka is an unabashed White Sox fan, and that's okay. But when it comes to numbers and statistics, the man is incredibly objective and analytical and thoughtful and always gives us good stuff. Yes, uh, Tim Hudson is the uh, most accomplished ball player by wins above replacement to have been born on this day. We already mentioned Tim Hudson's name today, but Robin Ventura, the best position player to be born on this day. Pretty cool. 670 The Score is where you are. I'm Matt Spiegel. It is Hit and Run. Uh, We're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, we will kind of wrap things up a little bit here, and we'll set you up to hear Joe Buck before Cubs pregame. That's coming up next on 670 The Score. 
It's hit and run on 670 to score. If you're one of those people that's a little worried about Pedro Strope because of uh, the three-run homer he gave up the other day, because of uh, occasionally mm, losing his control and giving up uh, homers and stuff, I, I understand. I, I think that he'll be fine. He'll be fine. He's been extremely trustworthy in his, in his life and his career as a Cub. But there is another guy who is just, he has been so excellent. He is under-discussed in that Cubs bullpen. He is not getting enough discussion, and he is somebody who has been a high-leverage performer on other teams before and then struggled over the last couple of years. And it was looked at as unfortunate that he was going to be on the roster. In the spring, we talked about this, and I remember people saying, God, we wish you could just DFA him. It's too bad you're spending five, six million or whatever it was on Brandon Kinsler. And it's been fairly well documented. documented. Kinsler decided to trust Tommy Hadovy, and they've had a good relationship. And Tommy found something that he helped Brandon Kinsler work on, I believe mechanically. And they have stayed in touch, stayed in contact. They work together. And Brandon Kinsler has not allowed a run since May 19th. 17 consecutive appearances now. 17 consecutive appearances for Brandon Kinsler without allowing a run. 15 and a third innings. His whip in that time is 0.783. Tremendous success for Brandon Kinsler over the last 17, 20 appearances. And a guy who you feel pretty good about. I, I noticed when, when Strope the other day on Friday, uh, when he walked, um, he walked somebody, I forget who it was, it was before Marte, it was obviously right before Marte's home run. So was it Reynolds? Yeah, I think he walked Reynolds. Um, they hustled Kinsler up. And that might have just been to follow up. They had Rosario up to face Josh Bell if they got there. And then maybe it was going to be Kinsler after that if they needed to before going to Kimbrell in the ninth. But I was wondering, are they hustling Kinsler up to get him out there in case they don't feel good about Strope? He went 1-0 on Marte. You remember this? And then he went out there and uh, they tried the pickoff play. Caratini's throw was high and then he gave it up to, um, to Marte, uh, Sterling Marte. He's good, Sterling Marte. couple homers yesterday. But anyway, props to Brandon Kinsler. Uh, Mike Trout is really good at baseball. He's on fire. He has eight home runs and 18 RBIs over his last seven games. He's now gotten to 30 home runs. Unbelievable. Um, Notice in St. Louis that a real closer may be developing there. Jordan Hicks always had dominant stuff, but you're a little unclear about as a young guy whether he was going to handle it, and then his arm blew up. Now it's Carlos Martinez, guy who's had arm problems before but has been in the bullpen, and I think that's an excellent choice by Mike Schilt because of his mindset and what he has done before in his life reminds me, you know, of so many different starting pitchers who, because they had to go out to the bullpen, then were assigned closer duties and really took to it. John Smoltz, Ryan Dempster, so many more. But Martinez last night came in, got a big out to finish the eighth inning, and then got three straight outs to finish the ninth. Three strikeouts out of four outs to get a save for the Cardinals last night. Uh, some texts have been coming in at 6711 as we wrap up the show. Charlie Morton in Tampa is a new example, speaks of the John Lester narrative helping building teams. That's a good call. Charlie Morton comes from Houston to Tampa. And he's certainly a part of their, uh, their resurgence. I'm not sure how much leading, teaching, 
uh, and, you know, colleague building Charlie Morton is doing down there. I'd look into it. Uh, this text, Speaks, is there a go-up-and-get-it stat in baseball like you have in football, like my Guagi? No, I don't have a, a, a funny acronym or a weird acronym for a stat. I do think that the excellent start should be logged. The quality start is six innings, three runs. How about the excellent start? Seven innings, two runs earned. Why don't they log that? Then you could log the gem. Eight innings or more. One earned run or less. Okay? Just work with me here, people. Work with me. 670 The Score is where you are. Appreciate you, Zach Withers. You've been fabulous today, hustling around, doing a bunch of stuff. Thank you to our guests uh, and a couple texts here about the John Baker stuff in the first hour. If you missed that and you're interested in the mental side of baseball and really the mental side of life at all, frankly, go listen to John Baker. It's a very, very wise dude. Loved that conversation in the first hour. Thanks to Joe Buck, who you hear from in a minute, and Chris Kampka. After this Joe Buck interview, um, coming up after the break, it'll be Zach Zaidman and Cubs pregame. Have a great day, everybody. I am uh, out of here and uh, will not be here next week. I'll be, I'll be traveling. So I'll talk to you in a couple weeks in terms of hit and run. Bottom of the hour, by the way, will be brought to you by Northwestern Football. Join Coach Fitz and the 17th-ranked Cats this fall at Ryan Field. Matchups include Ohio State, Michigan State, and Iowa. Season and single-game tickets are on sale now at nusports.com. Joe Buck is next. It was really good. Have a great Sunday, everybody. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.